listening to Rattle and Pedal, diversion thoughts on marketing and growing professional services firms. Your hosts are Jason Malicki and Jeff McKay. Let's talk about growth, baby. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, it's funny. We just finished a typical Jason and Jeff phone conversation, spending 45 minutes talking about big thoughts and nothing before we actually produce a podcast. <laughs> Man, we covered everything in current affairs, didn't we? We did. We covered everything we could think of and our views on it, uh, good or bad. So we're going to try like heck to transition to a business conversation about growth. And I picked today's topic and I picked it purposely because I've been thinking a lot about this whole mantra of survive to thrive that's been floated around since the earliest days of the COVID pandemic. And I also read a really nice piece that Bank of America put out about, this was, I think, more about markets than the economy itself. But the idea that the second quarter was they kind of saw as a bridge towards maybe a second and third quarter bridge towards maybe fourth quarter growth. So this sense that we've maybe, you know, you've seen the market do that V and it's bounced back. Although I would argue that's not where the economy is, but it seems like, you know, that either third quarter or fourth quarter, there's going to be more growth opportunities for a lot of firms than maybe they saw in the second quarter and and parts of the first. So anyway, what got me thinking was you've got this really nice sort of growth readiness assessment tool that you leverage. And I wanted to talk a little bit about that in the sense of every company has growth goals, but the question isn't, do you have ambition and goals to grow? The question is, are you actually prepared and told to do it? That's what I liked about your assessment and your model. So I thought we should just kind of dive into that to kind of talk about, hey, are you ready to grow as the market is getting healthier and better and and there's more commerce happening? I'll put it that way. I think it's a irrelevant time and place, you know, the middle of the year, as you said, and what's going to happen in the in the second half. And it, in my experience, a lot of firms don't think about growth outside of their industry growth rate, if you will. You know, they rise and fall. If the whole market that you play in is growing 20%, you know, they try to make sure they get 20% worth of growth. And I do think that that's going to happen for a lot of professional services and SaaS companies and other B2B companies. You know, there is going to be a rebound, but I think the growth rates among firms is going to be very different. And I think there's going to be a wide distribution of growth across, you know, given industries or, or professional services discipline. And I say that completely anecdotally. I'm not saying it because I have my arms around some kind of empirical research, although I have spent the last eight weeks or so talking to partners and, and leaders of firms. And it really is fascinating to hear the stories about what they've been doing to their own firms and what they've been doing for other firms. I think if you're a confident firm, (laughs) we've talked about what that means, and you are a high-performing firm and you've used this opportunity, the downtime, if you even had downtime to get stronger, you're going to be performing at, you know, the outer upper side of that bell curve, I think. So anyway, that's that's just kind of my take is I've been talking to firm leaders. I have two things I wanted to say about that. Actually, I really like the confidence one. It's really interesting. We have a 
a client that's a consulting firm that got hit pretty hard early because a lot of consulting firms, not a lot at all, but but many of them, their model had been predicated on in-person consulting service delivery. So literally coming on site into a client's office and working hand in hand with the leadership team or the management team on whatever they, they do. And any client that we had that had that type of delivery model obviously took a pretty big revenue pinch because they literally couldn't go deliver services anymore. And clients said, oh, I'm not going to pay you for services that aren't being delivered. And they've postponed services maybe into Q3, Q4, or Q1 of 21. Well, as I guess as listeners can tell, I, I am still working at home and, and one of my children is now practicing piano in the background. So I guess we'll be accompanied by <laughs> a concerto at the moment. Sounds like my, maybe my 10 year old, I'm not sure. So anyway, where I was going with that was what was interesting about that is that one of those firms in particular that took a pretty big revenue haircut, as I would have been calling it, 30, 40% revenue haircut, they're starting to see their pipeline recover in the second half. But what's also interesting is that they never adjusted their plan. So the plan for the year remained fixed. It didn't matter what was happening in the market. didn't matter what was happening in the economy. The plan's the same. We've got to get creative and figure out how to deliver on it. And so when you talk about confidence, I think that that's part of it is I think there are firms that are just kind of taking this line down saying, well, you know, the market's off 50%. And so we're going to be down 50%. And there's firms that are just going to try to get creative and innovative and push through it one way or another. And I agree, they'll be rewarded kind of on the high side of that wide curve. So that was my comment number one. And I have a comment number two, but before I give my comment number two, I'll let you just kind of comment on comment number one. (laughs) That's a great example. I had dinner with a, a big four partner this past weekend. And he said something very similar. He said that because their experts couldn't fly around and they adapted via video conference, their experts and I, you know, that upper tier of global thought leaders, their utilization leaped because the buyers understood the dynamics of, you know, we can't having face to face, but they still wanted the interaction. And these thought leaders, you know, that are billing out at, you know, $1,000 an hour, even though, you know, this firm is focused on fixed fee or, or value billing, all of those experts were now fully utilized because they weren't flying around. They weren't wasting time in hotel rooms or cabs or anything like that. They just sat in front of a camera and went from client to client to client to client, you know, talking about problems, selling, building relationship. So they're making money, they're deepening client relationships, and they're positioned now when it comes time, even if they decide to do it that way to jump right back in and they didn't miss a beat. Yeah. And I think it's those firms that saw this, well, man, this is a great opportunity for us. Now we can take these experts who really build our brand and spread them and influence the market even more because it's scalable. So I think you're spot on. Yeah. And and to your point, what's interesting is that we've always known that. I mean, that's how we've delivered services for, geez, I don't know, 10 years or more now. but in some instances, I don't think that those clients were willing to accept that. They go, no, I want the expert here. I want that person to come to my office. I want to talk to them face to face. And all of a sudden, mm-hmm. this artificial constraint pops up and they can't. 
in, in the end, it's probably going to help those firms, to your point, because that behavior is not going to go back. They're, they're going to have the same epiphany. Well, I don't really need them to come here. I just need to talk to them. And Zoom's good enough, you know, or her. Talk to her, I should say, as well. So the other thing I was going to, I was just going to throw some data in for you. I guess we'll call it telemetric data. It's analytics data. So I'm doing a digital marketing webinar later this week. It's sort of the, the, the last webinar in our series on, on kind of marketing through the pandemic and the other side. And so what I did is I literally took a full sweep of all of our clients' analytics from all of our client websites to look at where traffic is up, where traffic is down, where conversions are up, where conversions are down. And it's a pretty interesting distribution of data. And so we've got across all of the firm sites that we have analytics access to, we have traffic growth ranging from 32%. So the, the, the firm that got the most lifts during COVID. And, and the way I bound this was I took from March 23rd to June 7th. So kind of like loosely when the pandemic kind of started to become this big real thing. And I compared it to the period right before that. So it was a comparison of data kind of in the window in which the pandemic was really kind of hitting people hardest. And then before that, so we had, you know, the, 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 the firm at the far right was 32% up in terms of traffic, and the firm at the far left was 42% down in terms of traffic. And, mm. and then a search followed a similar distribution. So search traffic at the, on the far right was up 18%. First search traffic at the far left was down 53%. So because my, my hypothesis going into this was that all search traffic would be down just because people were distracted. They weren't searching for the types of issues and problems that many professional services firms solve on Google. They were more likely to be searching, you know, things about their own family, their own situation, protecting their livelihoods. So in using McKinsey's language, they're more interested in protecting their their lives and their livelihoods, I apologize. And of course, the single biggest factor in those swings was exactly what you'd expect. It was which firms are doing the most aggressive, high-value thought leadership and marketing in this window versus the ones that aren't. So the ones that were really stepping in and adding value and helping clients and just being there, being a voice in the noise of reason, they were growing marketing, you know, growing visibility, growing leads versus those that weren't. So my belief system kind of rooting this down the line for you is that that marketing activity yields leads and visibility, which ultimately yields conversations and revenue in the future. So my belief system is that those firms that were really pushing the envelope of value in the pandemic are going to get more rewards on the other side in the third and fourth quarter from that effort because they were there providing value and, and giving help. It's not revenue data, but I consider it leading indicator data personally. I love that. I may actually have to attend one of your webinars. <laughs> for your long-standing, <laughs> long-standing reasons not to, right? But, uh, no, that's not true. So, well, you're going to record it, right? Yeah. So the webinar, okay. well, this yeah. will air yeah. after the webinar. So the webinar, will, yeah. I guess, will be live. Um, so you can go record, download it now. Yeah. Um, yeah so go back and that. listen to it now. I'll be there. I'll be there because that is really cool stuff. That's really cool stuff. Yeah, it was interesting to go through it and see. Plus, I know the firms, obviously, I know all these firms personally. So these aren't like, you know, you know, some vague benchmarking data. These are all firms I know personally that I know what they're doing, what they're doing with us, what they're doing on their own. You know, so I have a sense of kind of what's happening in the firm from a marketing perspective, maybe not a, a revenue and lead perspective all the time. So it's interesting to kind of see that. It was also, I guess, I would just say rewarding to see because I know... <laughs> We spent all of April and most of May just kind of like literally, you know, head down thought leadership development for clients, even clients that we historically weren't contracted to do that work. That's what we were doing, you know, like 
diving into the void, like you got to get some things out, some some value, valuable content out there. And, and so it's rewarding to see that that has yielded for them in, in the moment, even if it hasn't led to real hard revenue yet. But I'm confident it will. I mean, I just kind of a simple idea, right? You know, you need more visibility and you need more people in your database in order to sell work down the line, right? It's kind mm-hmm. of simple philosophy. You're listening to Rattle and Pedal, divergent thoughts on growing your professional services firm. Your hosts are Jason Malicki, principal of Rattleback, the marketing agency for professional services firms, and Jeff McKay, former CMO and founder of strategy consultancy Prudent Pedal. If you find this podcast helpful, please help us by telling a friend and rating us on iTunes. Thank you. Now back to Jason and Jeff. So I want to change gears because I really wanted to talk a little bit about conditions for growth. Let's say the economy is, let's just assume it's going to be healthier. There's going to be more commerce just in general in Q3, Q4, and Q1, the next three quarters. What are some of the things firms should be doing right now to make sure they're poised to get the growth that they want, either growth they've lost or or new growth they're looking for? And obviously, I'm kind of leaning right into your assessment model. And I want you to just talk a little bit about the strategy box. There's five or six things in that strategy box, but let's just pick out one or two of those and talk about them. Are you going to ask me a question about one of them or do you think, (laughs) are you saying, hey, Jeff, which one of these do you think people need to really focus in on? Yes, that's what I want. That's what I would. Yeah. I'm curious, given everything that's played out, where do they need to put their energy? Because there's six things in that box, ranging from culture and market focus to core capabilities, client lifecycle, intellectual capital. So it's a lot to take on, right? It's a lot of different moving parts. So if I'm firm, where do I maybe need to be thinking about right now? And maybe it's impossible. And that's okay. Well, I don't think it's impossible. In my view, all of these are always things, right? Whether you're in a crisis or you're not in a crisis, you're always going to set these as core priorities as a leader if you want to drive growth, right? So you're always monitoring them. They're like spinning plates, if you will. And you have to keep, you know, touching them to keep them spinning. So culture, for example, if you've noticed that your firm panicked in this situation and didn't really get its sea legs and is worried about what's going to happen coming out of this, then your priority probably needs to be on building some confidence in your firm. Because if you're not going to be confident and you're not set up to reward the types of behaviors that are going to drive growth. You have to start there because culture drives everything. And you need to understand that culture and how it's inhibiting you or it's enabling you. But you have to think the way forward in terms of what your culture is capable of delivering against. So that's, I think, an important thing to point out. And we talked about that in the Confidence Podcast. But I think in terms of the way forward from here, number one is you got to be very clear about your market focus. There are going to be some markets that are going to rebound, some that are not. Some are going to rebound faster than others. And it's not, I don't think that coming back as business as usual is going to be an effective strategy. There has to be some prioritization because markets are going to grow at different rates and they're going to have different demand needs. So taking a step back and rethinking what's our focus, you know, markets or types of clients or specific solutions, but you have to 
hone in on that. Yeah, I like both of those a lot. You know, I, I think piggybacking your culture one real quick, one thing that's that's coming to mind for me is that my sense is that when everything shut down and companies, you know, most of the, the people that listen to this podcast were probably fortunate enough to keep running, keep the business running virtually, people working from home. They weren't shut down and their revenue model didn't completely disappear. But I also get the sense that in that window of time, things that maybe normally would happen in a typical office environment kind of went out the window. It just became about getting the work done, doing what has to be done. But, you know, things like professional development or, you know, one-to-one interactions or knowledge development, things that maybe would be deeper conversations about individuals and their careers and where they're going and where they're headed kind of went out the window. It just kind of became, let's just get through this moment and then we'll deal with those things again later. And so there's probably some like workforce culture building that needs to start happening again that maybe went away for a little while. And so that would be another piece of that that I would suggest firms might need to be thinking about right now is, you know, making sure that they're they're tendering tending to long-term efforts of their their leadership teams and their employee base. Jason, I want to say something about that because I think that is an incredibly astute observation. And I had an email exchange with a senior leader at a a big HR consulting firm. Yeah. And we were talking, I got a group of C-level execs. I think I might've said this, C-level execs together when this crisis started on a Zoom, different industries, different functions. And this was, the, this was about, the, the notorious Friends of Jeff event where I was- Friends I of was, Jeff. I was, you know, conspicuously <laughs> absent, hence by definition, not Jeff's friend, just his co-producer in a podcast, I guess, a transaction. <laughs> so anyway, moving on. But we were talking about real estate and office space and 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 those types of things and and becoming a more virtual operating model. And he astutely pointed out that the world of professional services and culture in particular is really formed and disseminated through an apprenticeship model. It's about being on client assignments together. It's that time on the airplane, that time having dinner, that time in a client locale that builds relationship and creates those teachable moments. And firms have an opportunity to get back to that, right? You have to get your people back together and allow them to reconnect on a relationship basis. It's critical. The other thing that's important, though, is that one of the cements or glue for a culture, in my experience, is shared experience. And the fact that your firm has gone through this COVID-19 experience together and gone through the Zoom interaction together and adapted and addressed client issues together, you want to solidify the gains of that experience. Because in your firm's history, it's going to be historic. Do you remember when? And that shared experience is going to be really important. And you don't want to lose that. And it's an important marker in a firm's history. So get them back together, but don't lose that shared experience. 
And of course, social distance and follow follow all the rules associated with that. So <laughs> we always have to say, right? Everyone's got to make those disclaimers. Before we wrap today, I want to talk about one more of the elements in that strategy bucket within the growth mm-hmm. assessment model. And then I'll do a shameless plug for the growth assessment model at the end. The client life cycle. I want you mm-hmm. to talk about that one because I think that's a really important one right now. Because I, I think firms have to recognize that Whatever life cycle that some of their clients was in three months ago, they're not in that anymore, some of them. So let's talk about that and what that means. If I'm thinking about the concept the right way, I may not No, be. no. I would have pulled that out as, as one of the, the key elements right here and now because it has changed. There are life cycles that are going to be in life cycle. I'll say I'm going to talk about buying new services right yeah. now. The buying cycle is going to be really compressed for some solutions because there's pent up demand and people are going to want to move and they're going to want to move quickly. And they have probably been doing due diligence proposals, you know, reading and, and assessments or whatever. And as soon as, you know, they're able to spend the money and get people together, they're going to go and you need to be prepared to act on those to either win them (laughs) or be prepared to move on because you've lost them. But I do really think there is going to be some pent up demand that's just going to explode. By that same token, I think there are going to be some that are really going to be drawn out as people try to keep their powder dry, try to solve some of these problems in-house or reevaluate, you know, allocation of of scarce resources. You may get back to some of these engagements and the people that were driving, you know, the possible new business no longer have jobs, right? They were cut and caught and, you know, some kind of cost cutting or, or something. So that whole dynamic could change. So taking a step back and really doing an assessment of of your pipeline, which I assume high-performing firms were doing all along. And we talked about that with Mark Wainwright on uh, earlier podcasts, you know, that pipeline cliff. I'm assuming every firm in the world listened to that podcast <laughs> and now has that that discipline. Well, but, the, data but anyway, surely, the data surely backs that up. So, <laughs> yeah. So, so I think taking a step back and saying, okay, what has changed? There will be stuff in the pipeline that will have changed, either compressed or delayed. But every life cycle and buying cycle starts with some kind of trigger event. It behooves firms to go back and rethink what are the trigger events for the solutions that we can offer and how have they changed? You know, if you just think about, you know, virtual working in mass, that's just one of hundreds of things to, to look at and to think about how that would cascade across how people demand or buy solutions. It makes a lot of sense. I'll throw one more thing in here, and, okay. I, and, and this will be important for firms to be smart about, because I know this is happening out there. Firms have serendipitously fallen into a successful client engagement as a result of the conditions that exist right now. And there's going to be some partner or practice leader that is going to want to productize a successful client engagement. Right. We had one or two clients that 
did this engagement. Now we have to turn this into a product and name it and promote it and launch this whole new solution. Be careful with that. And we've, we've done a podcast on that one as well. Oh, just be careful because I, there's going to be pent up demand for that, I'm sure, as well. That's good advice. So I'm going to take us to wrap and I'm going to do it this way. So Jeff actually made you step back three times in this episode, three whole times you stepped backwards. So I'm going to suggest (laughs) that as listeners, now you take one step forward and you download the growth readiness assessment that Jeff's put together from his website. It is a really good, useful tool just to help you think about, you know, if you're going to unlock growth in the second half of the year, where do you maybe need to put some energy in order to, to make the number on the plan actually a reality, which is a lot of times easier said than done, right? Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> so on that note, uh, I'll talk to you next week. See you, buddy. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Rattle and Pedal, divergent thoughts on marketing and growing professional services firms. Find content related to this episode at rattleandpedal.com. Rattle and Pedal is also available on iTunes and Stitcher. Boom.